listening to the sermon podcast of Brockport First Baptist. We are a progressive American Baptist congregation located about 20 minutes outside of Rochester, New York. To learn more about our church and support our ministries, please visit BrockportFirstBaptist.org. I am privileged this morning to be reading to you from Acts 3, verses 1 through 10. If you prefer to follow along in your pew Bibles, it's on page 886. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at three o'clock in the afternoon, and a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms for those who entered the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked them for alms. Peter looked intently at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and astonishment at what had happened to him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Marilyn, for that reading. So I gotta apologize, I got a text during prayer requests that I didn't see. It's not exactly a prayer request, um, but it's Peg Randall's birthday today. So happy birthday to Peg Randall. I also know that tomorrow is Jan's birthday and Gordon's birthday. The day after that is Martha's birthday and yesterday was my wife's birthday. Anyone else have birthdays (laughs) that that I'm missing? Is it today? Oh my gosh, Colton's birthday today. Happy birthday, Colton, as well. Let's not sing and save these people. The, the, just, kidding. <clears throat> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, we are continuing today with our study of Acts. Just want to recap last Sunday a little bit, help us uh, connect the dots a little bit between these two stories. We just finished Acts chapter 2. And at the end of Acts chapter 2, we are given this description of the early church. Uh, here's, here's what it says about this first Christian community. I'm reading from Acts 2, starting in verse 43. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That's what we just read last week. The storyteller takes us from this description of the early church, breaking bread together, worshiping at the temple. He takes us from that description to a story of what actually happens when these Christians show up at the temple. We see the connection there? Does that kind of make sense? They worship at the temple, and here's what happens when they go there. That being said, let's get into this story. The narrator tells us about a man who's been lame from birth. He can't walk. 
And every day this guy lays by the entrance to the temple begging. We're told that he's positioned next to the beautiful gate. Unfortunately, we don't really know what the beautiful gate was. Uh, There's no record of a beautiful gate at the temple outside of Acts chapter 3. But the language suggests it was a very ornate gate. It was a fancy door um, (laughs) that this guy sits next to. Um, Some scholars have theorized this could have been an entrance that was frequented by wealthy people. That's only a guess, though. That's just a theory. We don't know that. At any rate, though, this beggar is pretty smart because he camps out next to the prettiest entrance to the temple right as afternoon prayers are starting up. So he is targeting the most devout worshipers, the kind of people who will drop everything at 3 o'clock in the afternoon to go to the temple to pray. If anyone's shelling out some cash, right, it's probably these guys. That's just good business. He sees Peter and John, and he asks them for money, but they don't have any. Just a quick test to see how well we're all paying attention. Why don't the disciples have any money? Where's their money gone? They gave it all away, right? They've they've pooled their resources. They're distributing to any as they have need. Peter and John have no money. They're not very liquid at the moment. But Peter looks intently at the beggar. He fixes his eyes on him, and he says to him this line, I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And at that, the dude gets up, his feet and ankles are suddenly made strong, and he walks into the temple with the disciples, leaping and praising God. This is a story about seeing and being seen. The story arc of Acts, the narrative flow of Acts in a nutshell, uh, is a story of the Holy Spirit expanding the boundaries of who's included in God's family. The book of Acts tells the story of God's Spirit moving among the followers of Jesus, expanding their view further and further of who belongs until they can finally see that everyone belongs. Make sense? Good. At this point in the story, we are still in Jerusalem, right? We're still at the temple. Christianity at this point in history is an ethnically homogenous religion. It's only Jews, no Gentiles yet. And even so, God's Spirit is already at work expanding the boundaries. The story of God's expansive love begins right here with this one broken, hurting child of Israel being welcomed into the temple. One thing that's helpful to know about the the culture back then, to give a little context, is that people who couldn't walk were not allowed to enter the temple. If you couldn't walk, you couldn't go in the temple. Uh, Part of that came down to access, right? Um, They didn't have wheelchairs back then. There were no ramps. It would have been logistically very difficult for a lame person to go into the temple and participate in worship there. But even more than that, Jewish law actually prohibited certain disabled people from participating in the sacrificial system. If you had certain physical ailments, deformities, or disabilities, you were considered ceremonially unclean, and therefore you couldn't go in the temple. This is from Leviticus. Uh, Do you guys remember Leviticus? 
It's been too long, right? Um, This is from Leviticus 21, beginning in verse 17. No one of your offspring throughout their generations who has any blemish may approach to offer the food of his God. They're talking about sacrifices, right? Giving food to God. Indeed, no one who has a blemish shall draw near. One who is blind or lame, one who is mutilated or deformed, one who has a broken foot or a broken hand, or a hunchback or a dwarf, or a man with a defect in his eyes or an itching disease or scabs or crushed testicles. I could have left that one out, but I I didn't want to. Since he has a blemish, he shall not come near to offer the food of his God. He may eat the food of his God. You can share the leftover food from the sacrifices with, you know, the poor, the sick, the disabled. But he shall not come near the curtain or approach the altar because he has a blemish that he may not profane my sanctuaries, for I am the Lord. This prohibition of people with deformities prohibiting them from worshiping, participating in worship at the temple, this is placed in the mouth of God. For the record, I disagree. This should go without saying, but if you have a disability, a deformity, if you have a blemish or a scab, you are welcome in the house of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. In fact, fact, I think we would be worse off without you here. I'm going to go out on a limb even further. You can disagree with me on this part if you want. Um, But I don't actually think God said this. I know they put it in God's mouth, but I don't believe that the God revealed in Jesus, the God who opens the eyes of the blind, the God whose spirit is pushing the boundaries of inclusion further and further, I don't think God actually said this. I could be wrong, but I don't think God said this. Lori agrees, and she's a pastor's wife, so that's... That's high ranking. That's awesome. (laughs) Now, we can cut these ancient folks some slack, right? They lived in a very brutal time. We can't even imagine what life was like back then. Um, They didn't know some of the stuff that we know now. It wasn't always clear uh, what conditions were contagious. They certainly didn't have the full revelation of God that we have now in Jesus. So I think we can give them some grace. I just don't actually think God said that part personally. They did, though. They believed this, which means that that this guy who's been lame from birth has never been allowed inside the temple. Think about that. Imagine that. Imagine being part of these people, but you can't go in the sanctuary. You can't go in the church. Think about all the experience that this man, this child of Israel, missed out on. The experience of going to worship with your family as a kid where you sing the songs, you learn the prayers, you don't really understand much of what's going on, but you just kind of marvel at it and take it in. He's never felt that. The experience of going to worship as an adult, bringing your own gift to the altar, seeing the smoke rise up to the heavens as that offering is given, this guy hasn't experienced any of that. This child of God who camps out every day by the beautiful gate has never been allowed to enter through the beautiful gate. I can almost see the folks heading in for afternoon prayers passing them by 
not looking in his direction, right? I see them averting their eyes, turning, turning their heads away. I imagine them responding to him the same way most of us respond to people asking for change at the side of the road. It's not that we're indifferent to their pain. It's more that we can't bear to look at it. There's a shame there. There's a shame on us. There's something unsettling about being confronted by that level of desperation, that level of need. Most of us go about our lives, most days, as as modern people, having most of what we need. It's rare to confront that level of desperation. We don't like to look at it. And so we toss them a dollar. We'll roll down the window and hand out some change as we kind of sheepishly look away. We don't see them just like I'm betting no one had ever really seen this man laying there by the beautiful gate. But Peter sees him. The text says that he looked at him intently. He locks eyes with him. Peter sees the real issue here. The problem is not that this guy can't walk. The problem is that there is a barrier standing in the way of his full participation in the family of God So Peter removes the barrier. That's what's happening in the story. I have no silver or gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Peter and John help him to his feet. And where does the guy go? Where does he go immediately? Into the temple. He goes straight in the temple with Peter and John singing and praising God for the very first time. Time. This um, story arc in Acts, the way the Holy Spirit is moving in this book, is very important to me and sort of my sense of call and mission in the world. Um, I've shared my story before, but growing up, I was super lucky. The church was always a safe place for me. Uh, it probably helped that I won the privilege lottery, right? Um, straight, white, middle-class, cisgendered man, able-bodied, right? The church was always a safe place for me. My home life wasn't always safe. The schools I went to as a kid weren't safe. My neighborhood was not safe. But the church was the one place I always knew that I was loved and the one place I knew that I belonged. But I was also raised with a very keen awareness that not everyone has that assurance. The church isn't a safe place for everybody, or even for most people. I watched my mom suffer uh, as a woman in ministry, a female pastor, uh, for 20 years, at a time when that was not anywhere near as commonplace as it is now. I saw her always being put down by men, always having to submit to the authority of male pastors who did not have her best interest at heart. My dad's family was torn apart when his father took his own life. Uh, My dad was 16 at the time. Their family lost everything, and the church they worshiped at every Sunday didn't lift a finger to help. They wouldn't even bury my grandfather because back then that was a mortal sin whatever that means. 
I grew up with multiple friends and family members who were not welcome in church because they were part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I had friends in high school that I couldn't invite to youth group because I knew my church wasn't a safe place for them. One of the main reasons I went to seminary, one of the main reasons I do the job I do today, really one of the main reasons I'm still even in the church at all, is because I want to make sure this is a safe place for everyone. That is my call. And if you are here at this church, my hope is that you share that call. Amen? Amen. Amen. Maybe you're here as someone who was overlooked by religion at some point. Maybe someone lied to you at some point and told you that you don't belong. Maybe it was someone from our church who found you, who saw you, who looked intently at you and let you know that there is a place for you here. If you're in that boat, I'm incredibly glad you're here. I am incredibly glad that you had the courage to walk through these doors and give our church a chance. We are a better place with you in our fellowship. I am willing to bet, though, that for the majority of you, because you're here, because you felt safe coming to church today, I would bet that most of us in this room probably already feel seen on some level. Most of us have not endured the pain of being stuck outside the beautiful gate and not allowed to enter. If you're in that position, the question I think we have to answer is, who is God calling us to see? For those of us who are in, who feel seen, who is God calling you to see? If we're the disciples, if you and me are Peter and John walking into the temple, who's lying by the beautiful gate unable to cross the threshold? Who are the overlooked in our context? Who is it that's been left behind, that's fallen through the cracks? Who are the people that should be in this room but aren't because none of us have seen them yet? Whose suffering are we still averting our eyes from? Don't look away. Start looking intently. Before we come to worship, the poor, the sick, the disabled, People carrying spiritual baggage must be seen. Do you guys remember that teaching from Jesus where he says, uh, if you come to the sanctuary, if you come to worship, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there, go be made right with your brother, and then you can come back and worship God? That still stands. This story in Acts just raises the bar. It's not just about conflict in our own lives. That is not the only thing that stands in the way of the true worship of God. Before worship of God can commence, before we can even enter in the temple, the poor, the lame, and the sick must be seen. We've got to see these people through the eyes of Christ. Whether we're talking about people without homes, immigrants, refugees, folks with disabilities, addictions, mental health crises, people in prison, the poor, single parents, kids born into poverty. If we don't see these people, 
If we don't look intently at their suffering and actually do something about it, we cannot worship God fully. I'm reminded of Micah 6.8, one of my favorite verses. He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God? I think God actually said that one. (laughs) As Christians, we have to have eyes that see the overlooked in our community. We also really need to see the overlooked in our lives and in our church. Uh, I was looking at some documents down in the vault the other day. You guys know about the vault. Um, In in the basement of our church, there's this old safe, this big metal safe. It's got a lot of cool old stuff in there, uh, records, uh, old directories, other documents, some stuff over 100 years old. Um, In fact, I, so pause, I have a vision. There's a a space out in the narthex, kind of next to the, our church and the community bulletin board, where we have you know, uh, Bibles and hymnals and stuff like that. I want to turn that into like a little historical display of stuff from our church. I'd like to get like five or six people together on a Saturday and just go through that safe and see what kind of treasure we find. If you're interested, talk to me after. But um, I was looking at this the other day. I was going through some of it, and I found all these old photo directories. There's stuff in there from the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And I noticed something there used to be a lot of people in this church. Like, we are healthy now, we're growing. I feel like we're moving toward thriving as a congregation, which is, which is awesome. But there used to be a ton of people here. I looked through the One Directory from the 90s, and there were a lot of kids in this church who would be my age today. I'm sure a lot of these folks had all sorts of reasons for, like, leaving, disconnecting, Some folks certainly moved away, found other churches. We could blame big social trends, right? Secularism, deconstruction, uh, sports taking over Sunday mornings, right? This is the stuff that I hear people point to. But as as I read this story in Acts about a child of Israel who sits day after day by an entrance to a sanctuary that he can't go through, I've got to believe there are some lost children of Brockport First Baptist out there somewhere. They're in our lives. They're in our communities. I've got to believe there's been some falling outs along the way. There's been some pain, some burn bridges. There are people whose church trauma happened here. There are people who were part of this church but left at some point because nobody saw them. We all have people in our lives, whether it's from our church or some other church, friends, neighbors, family members, who used to have a vibrant faith, who were part of a worshiping community, and somewhere along the way, that was taken from them. Who are the people in your lives that you need to see, that you need to call and check in on, reconnect with, maybe apologize to? Who are the people that you need to reach out and say, hey, I see you. I miss you. Let's reconnect. Who are the people going unseen that we need to make sure are seen? Who are the people with spiritual baggage, spiritual trauma, as I said, that happened here? 
We need to make sure these folks are seen, not to bring them back in the doors and fill the pews and hit some number count. We need to make sure they're seen because as Christians, we should be in the habit of restoring lost things. Finding and restoring broken relationships, broken people. Don't ignore the suffering that's hard to look at. Don't pass by the beggar on your way to the temple. Don't ignore that friend you haven't seen in years. Reach out, connect, talk to them, look at them, see them, and who knows? Maybe the Holy Spirit can use that to bring some healing. Let's pray. God, give us eyes to see the people you would have us see. The people in our midst, in our lives, in our communities who are hurting, who are broken, who are left out. Help us to see them through your eyes. Expand our scope of vision through the Holy Spirit. And empower us for the hard work of restoring broken relationships restoring broken people, tearing down any barrier, any wall that prevents your children from coming to you. We ask for all this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.